Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, there was a tree that God said, don't partake of it. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there's also a tree called the tree of life. How do they affect our lives today? Join me together in the Word of God. You're going to be blessed. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy. It's so glad to have you here with us today and uh, to grow in the things of God. This is my desire to take what I know and transfer it to you. And, and you know, listen, I can tell you this too. A lot of people uh, that have contacted me have told me, have you ever thought about looking at that way? And they, it adds, we actually help each other out in this. I remember there's a man that came to me after church one day and just had a thought on a scripture I was teaching on. And I went and looked up that thought. And you know what? He was right. And it, it added to my teaching of that particular verse. And I can tell you through the years, I've taught that so many times. And every time I do, I think about him coming to me after church and mentioning that. So it doesn't have to come from Brother Doodad that pastors a church of thousands down here or a missionary that conquered, you know, spiritually conquered an entire nation or something. That's who we often think we're supposed to learn from. And we can, and we should, those who stand in offices in the body of Christ. But I'm here to tell you, there's times in the Word of I think of Ananias, you know, in chapter nine of Acts, you know, that went and brought Paul and, and brought the message to Paul. And he was just a, an average Christian. He was just, you know, he wasn't anybody known. That's the first time and that's the last time we hear about him. But he so impressed Paul, he actually mentioned him a couple of other times in his testimony. And when I get to heaven, I want to meet Ananias because of his contribution to the word of God. And God delights in taking nobodies and making somebodies out of them. You say, does he really do that? Go look in the mirror. <laughs> God still takes nobodies and make somebody's out of them. And we're all nobodies in ourselves, but we are great as far as God's concerned the moment the Holy Spirit lives in us. So that's what's important about the fact I teach you. And you, you know, you write me back notes and stuff on these things. You thought about this way. And, uh, but also the fact that you go out and take what you have learned here on the broadcast and you take it to other people. And this is how we grow in the things of God. We grow by the power of the word of God. There's teachers of the word of God. There's, we grow in the power of the Holy Spirit, evangelists and others who operate in the gifts of the spirit, you know, in their daily walk, in their ministry. Of course, we all can and should, but the point of it is, is that we contribute to each other. The different parts of the body work together and that's how we work together in uh, the things of God. So thank you again for being a, a person that watches this broadcast. For those of you just joining us today for the first time or second, time. Thank you. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. For those that have watched for months and even for years, I welcome you and those who are partners with me. And if you're not a partner with me, get to get in with it. Okay. Just do it. It's a wonderful thing to have partners with me and, and partners are those who are more than just watch and participate. They also help and they help with prayer on a, on a daily basis and giving on a monthly basis to where it just becomes part of your daily walk with God. I'm not asking for your tithe. That belongs to your local church. I'm asking you for offerings above that and simply come back to this. Ask the Holy Spirit what you should give. And in most cases, he'll talk to you. He'll tell you, or if he doesn't, then what he's saying is, I trust you. Then you give as you purpose in your heart. And each time, not grudgingly or of necessity, God loves a cheerful giver. And I appreciate the fact that those who support me bring out the fact, Pastor, you do anything else? I'd love to get in there and help you with it. Well, thank you so much. So again, if you'd like to become a partner with me, then go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can join me and many, many others who have joined me for being a partner in this ministry. Genesis chapter two is where we're going today. We're gonna to talk about something brought out in this verse of scripture. In Genesis chapter two and verse nine, 
where God was in creation, talking about the, literally in chapter two, reflecting back on chapter one about what he had done. And it says in Genesis 2, 9, out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Four types of trees are mentioned here. We're gonna zero in on two of them, but I want you to notice the four types of trees. First of all, there were those that were pleasant to the sight. I mean, think about this. You think that everything that God has would be some somehow useful. He says, no, no, I just like to make stuff that's pretty. Also, to where it attracts your attention, you know, I was just up in the mountains of Colorado. The aspen trees were turning yellow. And I mean, you talk about beautiful, but there's no fruit that comes from it. I think there's nothing that feeds you off of that tree. But God also made a lot of things that are just gorgeous to look at. And I mean, there's so many things in nature and God just loves to do that. I mean, I think about the universe out there. Not every, uh, uh, you know, the earth has habit is habitable. And I think it's one of the most beautiful in the entire universe. But you know, there's other, other ones out there that the beauty of each one is different. I'm not sure if there's life on any planet except for earth and heaven. That's it, okay? Although there may be, and I'm not going to gripe if there is or gripe if there's not. The point of it is I just don't see it from the Word of God. And I think all that was put out there for our playground one of these days, that when we have resurrection bodies, we can just go from one end of the universe to the other, and, and you know, at the, in the speed of thought, pew, we're there. And whether it's 5 million light years away or 500 million light years away, we can get there in the same amount of time. Just boom, we're there. We think it and we're there. But well, the all this is out there. Can you imagine? Every day, angels go from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, back and forth, back and forth, and they fly past all these things in the universe. They've got to be looking out there every time they go by. And this has been going on from eternity past. For billions and billions of years, they've flown by these things. And every time they do, they say, man, that is gorgeous. Man, that is just incredibly beautiful. There's no life on those planets that we can find, but the point of it is they're just out there for the beauty. And when we on this earth uh, create new telescopes that show more and more of it, all we do is just stand back in, in awe of the beauty of the universe, even though there's probably no one living out there. So we have the first tree that was just pleasant to the sight, and then the next ones, which are good for food. And God put them both out there. And I'm sure there's times when God put it out there, it probably impressed himself. He went, whoo, I did a good job on that tree. Isn't it gorgeous? But then there was also trees that produced food. So the first two types that are mentioned are trees that were pleasant to the sight and the next of all trees that were good for food. The next two though are important. And the, the third was called the tree of life. And the tree of life was one that the, that Adam and Eve could eat from and it, it, it kept them going and kept them going. They were here for eternity, okay? But this was the life that came from that. And the fourth one was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one tree that God warned them, do not eat of that tree. And we find later it was pleasant to the sight. Okay, it was a beautiful tree, but on the other hand, it simply said here, God said, I don't want you to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you do eat of it, you shall surely die. The reason why surely is mentioned with that word die is because it's uh, the word die is mentioned twice. Uh, one translation puts it this way, in the day that you eat of it, dying, you shall die. And so there's two types of death that came from that tree. The first type of death that came from that tree was physical death. And they didn't die instantly. I mean, physically flop over or something. You know, it took a few hundred years for that to catch up. But had they never eaten of that tree, they never would have died physically. But also the next type of uh, thing that came from that tree was spiritual death. And spiritual death means, and that happened instantly. The moment that Adam and Eve ate of that thing, 
of, the, of that tree. They died spiritually on the inside, immediately separated from the life of God, immediately separated from the presence of God. And that's why they acted like they did. They immediately noticed they were, didn't have any clothes on. All right. And the next thing they did was they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And so we'll get into that in just a moment too. But again, that's what happened. They died spiritually on the inside and there was a separation between them and God. But what also happened in them was a process which began on that day. And that was the process of physical death. They began to age from that time on, even though they lived over 900 years, they eventually died off this planet. And this is what why we have that today. Man is born into this earth and human beings are born into this earth with two types of death in them. First of all, they're born separated from God and they're also born that eventually they're gonna die from the, actually it's been said this, that the day you born, you're born, you're already dying, all right? And you will die one of these days. If you live to be 50, 80, 100, 110, it simply comes down as one day you're going to die. So we talk about the four types of trees. Again, number one was that which was pleasant inside, just beautiful, gorgeous trees. Here living in Oklahoma, the redbud is our tree. Doesn't produce any fruit, but boy, there's certain times of year, it's, there's this bright pink all over Tulsa. It's just gorgeous as those trees are turning at that time or just budding at that time for spring to come. Next of all, there was ones that were good for food. There's apples and oranges and pears and all the other ones that were growing off that tree. The third type of tree is the tree of life and this produced life in them. And that's why God had to, when they sinned, he had to get them out of there to protect the tree of life because if they come back and eat of that tree of life, they would live forever in a fallen condition. God wants it to where a man will eventually die and we have another chance to start over again with a new generation. Then the fourth one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We'll talk about that one here. In the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man ate of this tree and died spiritually. And this is what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil did. But this tree also ended up becoming in them the nature of the flesh, which opened the door for spiritual death. And sin in the singular is found throughout the New Testament epistles. And what this sin did was allowed into them this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's talk about that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does this mean? Well, uh, the moment you mention this, the people often say, well, really what was introduced was evil. Man already knew what good was. And because man knew what good was, then again, this is what happened, is man, by, by partaking of that, something entered into him, which was the uh, evil, because he already knew good. No, what was this tree? introducing was two things. It introduced both good and evil. The good that was introduced was man's substitute for divine good. All that man knew, Adam and Eve in the garden, was divine good, the supplying of every need they had, the beauty of God walking with him and fellowshipping with him. And every day in the cool of the evening, the Lord would show up and walk with them. Can you imagine this? I mean, how many times have you said this? I don't understand this passage of scripture. I don't understand what's going on in my life right now. I just wish Jesus would walk into my room and sit down here beside me and explain these things to me. Well, that's what they had in the garden. Every day in the cool of the evening, probably around six in the evening, Jesus would show up with Adam and Eve, go walking with them and answer every question they had. I mean, no wonder it was utopia. No wonder it was incredible because this is what happened every single day for them. So they only knew divine good. What they did not know was human good. What the tree introduced was human good and evil. 
And by doing this, allowing this to happen, Adam and Eve opened the door for this. They now had a substitute for divine good. This was seen the moment that they sinned. The moment that they sinned, here's what happened. Adam went and took tree leaves off and limbs off and made themselves garments because why? He looked around and noticed they were naked. They needed something to cover themselves up. Notice this is when the scales were removed from his eyes, which the scales were not evil, they were wonderful. All that this was, was it, they saw Jesus, they saw the beauty of this. They didn't even notice they were naked at the time because they didn't even know what clothing was for. But the moment they sinned, they started looking for something to cover themselves up with and they covered themselves up with something that would fall apart. What they covered themselves up with was leaves and those leaves would eventually, and they have to go replace them again. When God covered them, he covered them with animal skins, a type of the coming of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, him dying for us. He covered them with that and that lasted them for years and years and years before they had to replace that. It was simply something that was tangible for only for a moment and other that had a long life in it. This is what happens when we walk as a born again believer. What we produce is in the spirit and that's, that's eternal. What we produce in the flesh is only momentary. So let me just tell you what this tree was. This tree was the nature of the flesh. From your nature of the flesh comes human good and evil. We'll talk about this more in the second half of the broadcast. What is it that makes a Christian a carnal Christian? A carnal Christian is simply a Christian who is caught up in sinning. This series by Pastor Bob Yandian will help you identify the differences between carnality and spirituality and make any corrections needed to avoid carnality. The story of David's sin with Bathsheba and the results of that sin perfectly exemplify what happens when a believer chooses to walk in carnality. But thankfully, you will also learn about the process of complete forgiveness and restoration that results from repentance. This eight lesson series is a must for everyone desiring to avoid the pitfalls of carnality to walk in maturity and holiness in Christ Jesus. To order Understanding the Carnal Christian, visit our website at bobyandian.com. This newly revised and expanded handbook is packed with biblical wisdom and practical guidance from the pastoral trenches. It will help to equip and encourage you in your ministry. Bobby Indian, a veteran pastor of more than 30 years, provides answers to common questions relating to your everyday pastoral duties and personal life. Bob covers topics such as the first pastor's conference in Acts 20, passion versus calling, daily schedules, living a balanced life, Wolves after your sheep. The glorious church. Pastors need pastors. Whose flock do you pastor? Spiritual workaholics. Family before ministry. The pastor's heart and the bond of peace. Bob will help you apply timeless biblical wisdom to the issues and dynamics of today's pastoral ministry. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. What happened with Adam and Eve? The moment that they ate of the fruit, the fruit that was on that tree that God said, do not eat of this fruit, 
There was millions and millions of yes trees in the garden. There was only one no tree and Satan took them right to that no tree. He deceived them, they fell for it and Eve reached out and she took an eight of the fruit of that tree. What happened is the fruit became a part of her. Adam then took and ate of that and it became a part of him. What happened? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the garden and now it was inside of them. They became overcome by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the nature of the flesh. From the flesh, not only becomes evil, sin, but also it produces human good. And this is religion. This is man's attempt. And whether you call it religion or you simply call it man's desire to go to heaven and thinking he can get himself there is really the substitute for divine good. Religion says this, man does all the work. He gives it to God. God receives it and man therefore gets all the glory for it. But in the, in the plan of God's salvation through Jesus Christ, God does all the work. He gives it to man, man receives it, and God gets all the glory. And so Satan has simply turned this thing around. And the moment that the tree of a knowledge of good and evil, they tried with their own human effort to cover themselves. God eventually again killed an animal, slew an animal, took the skins and placed over them, and that's what they were covered with. What God did lasted for a long, long time. It's a, tem it's a thing speaking of eternal. But what man did for himself lasted just for a moment. And religion fills itself with momentary good works. And we think if we pile up enough of these, that one day when we stand before God, that the good will outweigh the evil. And understand something, they both came from the same tree. And the tree overall was cursed. God said, don't, I don't want anything from that tree. And here's what happened. They ate of it. And now when they come to God, they present their human good to him. And this is exactly what happens with mankind. We hear about God's plan for salvation. We immediately go, oh, but look, my good in life outweighs my evil in my life. And surely God's gonna let me in for the good I have done. Know what you have done is human good and it stinks in God's nostrils. The word of God tells us that. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end is destruction. And so we cannot offer this human good to God because God will not take it. Listen, if your human good could take you to heaven, why did Jesus have to die? It's because no matter how good you are, you can never match up to the goodness that God demands. And that demand that God gave to them came before that tree, and that was the fact that they had been given eternal life by God. And God made them in the earth that way, but they forfeited it, and they took on human good. And so, in essence, it comes back to this. The nature of the flesh that's in us is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree is now inside of us, and that tree remains in us even after the new birth, because what God places in our spirit man on the inside is the new nature, and from the new nature comes divine good, backed by the Holy Spirit, and we call this grace, and that what God is looking for is us coming on his terms, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, not us as our Lord and Savior, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, not some creed of man, not some religion, but we come to him and we come to him on his terms. And when we come to him, we realize I am spiritually dead. I'm lost and dead in my trespasses and sin. And what Adam did passed on to me. In Adam, all die. But I have a choice to become in Christ because in Christ, all will be made alive. The moment I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that tree still remains in me. But now in my spirit, I am born again and I have power over greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And so here's the point. As a believer, 
I can get back under the control of the tree. This is called being a carnal Christian. And at that time, I try for my own human effort to get back in fellowship with God. Oh, he's my savior. But what happened was through sin, I have become separated from him in fellowship. And although I'm a child of God, I'm a disobedient child of God. And what happens is I try my best through my good works to get back with him. And I become no better than a sinner in that case. In other words, a carnal Christian imitates the sinner. A carnal Christian tries through his own human effort. I'll give more money. I'll pray more. I'll attend church more. In fact, I'll become an usher in the church. Surely this will get me back into fellowship with God. A sinner can come to church. A sinner can give money. A sinner can usher, and that doesn't get him to heaven. It will not get you back in fellowship with God. It took the blood to save you. It takes a sprinkling of the blood for you to come back into fellowship with him. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Believers and cleanses from all unrighteousness. This comes back to verse seven. This all comes back in 1 John 1, 7 to the fact it happens by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood that saves us originally is the sprinkling of it now. This was the shedding of blood, but the sprinkling of blood, it only takes a drop or two. The moment we confess that sin, his blood cleanses it. And now we are back in fellowship with him. We can again draw from the Holy Spirit that has lived in us all that time, and we can begin to produce divine good not human good, divine good. Oh, the tree is still present with me and those lusts are still there, but you know what? I override them because I've hidden his word in my heart. I will not sin against him. And because I walk in the spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we have the tree of life. Also, in the mention of that verse of script, there was a tree of life in the garden. Revelation chapter 22, verse two and verse 14 says this, in the middle of the street of it, that's heaven, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bore 12 kinds of fruit and produced her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing. The Greek word here is therapuo, which means a means of healing. So they were a means of healing. Weymouth introduces this as medicine. I love that in his translation of the nations. Blessed are they who keep his commandments and they who have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I'm simply here to tell you when I got born again, the new birth is inside of me. The new nature of the Lord Jesus Christ is inside of me and I can live for him. I have the power to live for him. A sinner can't live for him because he's separated from the life of God. But the moment you receive the life of God on the inside of you, oh, the natural life is still there. Physical death is still going to come one day. And at that time, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil called the nature of the flesh will be gone. But in the meantime, I can walk by the power of the Holy Spirit in me, declaring greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. The tree of life still is in my life. And there are many trees of life found around us, but there's only one tree of life. In other words, there's things that people offer as trees of life, but it's really just an amplification of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, what happens is in religions, what happens in our daily life, you ask most sinners, do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die? Most of them will say, yes. Why? Because I've done a lot of good things. And I think my good outweighs my bad. And when I stand before God, he's going to take a look at all those good things. And sit, listen, because I'm such a kind person and I've never cheated on my wife and I've never, you know, stolen money. And I'm talking about the most moral of sinners that you can find. Morality will not get you into heaven. You know why? Because if morality would get you into heaven, Jesus would never need to come and die. He died because we cannot save ourselves. And so again, to, in Revelation 2, 7, it says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to him to eat of the tree of life, 
which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Who is he that overcomes? Who wrote the book of Revelation? John. And in John, he actually wrote this, 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcomes the world? And brought out later in Revelation as an overcomer. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the son of God. Those who accepted Jesus in this lifetime here in heaven will see and get to eat of the tree of life. How wonderful that is. And so again, let's take some examples of this. When it talks about eating of the tree of life, I don't, I don't really plan on waiting until I get to heaven and, and that will cause me to get to eat the physical fruit of that. But what is the fruit I have in the meantime? The word of God is a tree of life. Proverbs 3, verse 13 through 18 says this, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise or the profit of the wisdom of God is better than the profit, the merchandise of silver and the gain of it than fine gold. She that is wisdom is more precious than rubies. All the things you can desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. No, it's not the tree of life. The word of God is not the tree of life, but a tree of life here in this world. She is a tree of life to those that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retains her. Those who find the tree of life in this lifetime is the word of God. The word of God is something we can eat daily. It's something we can take into our life daily. And what happens is when we do this, then all of a sudden our life is benefited because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in us is overcome by the fact I eat from the tree of life every day of the word of God. And this tree in the word is stronger than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil inside of me. My flesh on the inside of me has a power, but the power of it compares nothing. It's stale in comparison to the power of the tree of life, the word of God in me, the word of God in me. When I partake of the word of God, it is my power power that I will not sin in this life. A word-filled believer becomes a tree of life. The more you eat of that tree, in essence, you become a tree of life and others around you can partake of your life. Proverbs eleven thirty: the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Notice again, a tree of life. The tree of life is in heaven right now and we will see it one day and partake of it. It goes on to say, and he who wins souls is wise. What a wonderful verse of scripture. I am a tree of life. I am the righteousness of God, but the fruit that I bear is for winning souls around me. When I offer a person a plan of salvation and they eat of it and they become a born again person, I was sharing my witness with them. And by winning souls, I give them of the fruit of this wonderful tree of life. Answered prayer is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, that is answered prayer, it is a tree of life. Wow. Answered prayer in my life is like a partaking of the tree of life and that fruit of it changes my life. The moment I pray and that desire comes and the prayer is answered, it's like a tree of life given into my life. What a wonderful thing that is. Faith-filled words are a tree of life. Proverbs 15 and verse four, a wholesome or a healing tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness of it is a breach of the spirit. Notice this, as I speak to people, give them the wisdom of the word of God, or people speak to me, giving me the wisdom of the word of God. When a Christian asks you a question, you're able to quote to them the word of God and make it applicable to their situation. It becomes a tree of life to them. It's like reaching out and taking the word of God. Again, we 
have a wonderful word of God given to us, a wonderful tree of life given to us that will take and suffice our life until one day we will stand before the tree of life, which Adam and Eve stood before in the realms of heaven. And we can partake of that fruit on that day to come. Wow, this is incredible. What am I trying to tell you is, yes, there is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, there is the nature of the flesh on the inside of you, but you know what? You have the power to say no to it. You have the power to turn it down. And one of the greatest ways to do it is by partaking of the Word of God, the promises of the Word of God, eating of that tree of life that's still present with us in this realm. And the fruit that comes from it is the promises of the Word of God. I can pick it off that tree. Do I need answered prayer today? Yes. Do I need to walk in righteousness? Yes. These are all fruits that we take from that tree. And by eating of it, we become stronger every day in our Christian life. What a great, great blessing. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.